where two guys tell you about the books that they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This is our special indie author edition, something we hope to be doing with some frequency in the future, where we touch upon a small press author or a completely independent author who's doing all of their own publishing. This episode's book is When October Falls by Christopher J. Dwyer, um, published uh, Brown Paper Publishing in March of 2011. Mr. Dwyer is uh, born and raised in Boston, where his book actually takes place. Uh, he's been published in numerous magazines and very recently in an alternative vampire fiction collection called Eternal Night. Um, Dwyer is uh, much of a noir author, at least from this book. And the exciting thing about um, When October Falls is here is a price point you won't hear very often for a printed book, $4.95 from the publisher, which also makes it really affordable and a great way to support a small press author. 495 is incredible. Who would not pay that for a book? I didn't look at the shipping costs. It could be $25 for shipping. I'm not sure. <laughs> but the book itself is $4.95. Still totally a bargain. A little bit about the story. The main character is a guy named Clint whose wife went missing a few months uh, before the book's starting point. And just as he's about to kind of lose all hope and give up, uh, a series of kind of odd events take place that push him kind of in the direction of thinking his wife could still be alive and he's kind of given this drive to find her and the book is essentially his journey to find his wife to kind of put the pieces together to find out what happened to her and overcoming the obstacles that are thrown in his way uh, in his journey to not shortchange the book and make it just sound like a mystery this is far from a standard mystery book there's uh, touches on spirituality, issues regarding spirituality, and combined with science, it's very much a deep, dark romance novel as Clint suffers through the loss of his wife, which is made painfully clear through, through the, the text of the book. Really, really well written, in my opinion. Rob, what do you got? Yeah, um, I didn't want to... Here's the thing about the book. It's, uh, the story is very focused on one tip, one main main theme which is him and his wife and the search for his wife so i want to be as spoiler free as possible so that's a brief summary but as far as the actual storytelling goes like livia said lots and lots of sensory detail he uses lots of colors and textures um, a lot of visual um, descriptions and stuff like that to the point where his writing is very very descriptive and i'm trying to think of the best way to say it it kind of demands more attention to be paid to the way he's writing things um, but it's very very richly richly detailed and written and it's uh, in a in a way that i thought was really really enjoyable i agree and it was a something you know here it's a very visually stunning book if you can kind of put your mindset in the descriptions of everything the writing is absolutely beautiful um, for the most part throughout the book um, the story flows pretty well my only issue is that um, sometimes the writing is so, like, I would take and read passages individually, which almost detracted a little bit from the flow of the story. The story itself is great, and the writing is beautiful. In some cases, I don't think I've ever said this, maybe the writing is a little too nice, and that <laughs> could have been backed off a little bit. And like I said, I, I really like this book, but at times I found myself 
very focused on the words and the individual sentences and not so much as how they fit as a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of bittersweet to have that, you know, just hammered, you know, page after page after page of great, great visual description. But to be honest, um, and I know that you and I probably feel might feel a little differently about this, but any, I think, extra effort that's kind of demanded from you in the reading of it, I think more than is made up for in the fact that the story is just so rich. And and the thing that I think of now that we're talking about it is, and I don't really know how to explain this, but like typically if you if you're reading a story and it seems like the author's kind of throwing the ki- you know the kitchen sink into a book, it's going to sound terrible. But I mean, this guy hits you with so much, like I said, sensory details. The descriptions are incredible and very elaborate. And and there's a lot of um, love and uh, effort put into the descriptions. But he also goes through, I think he touched on practically any genre you could think of. The structure is kind of noirish, but he also, like Livia said already, he runs through some sci-fi elements. He's got horror in there. He's got romance. And um, it's surprisingly... I don't know, cohesive. It's really, really well put together, and I don't think that any element that he threw in there really detracts from the overall story. It, he made it work in a very fluid way. I agree, and let's you know, tell it the way it is. This is a 185-page book with all of those elements in it, and all of them have their place in that book. There's not one yeah. part where he went outside. I think maybe if he were to try to throw some comedy in there, that wouldn't have fit. I think that's the only genre of fiction that maybe he didn't hit on this because it is part mystery, as Rob said, part horror, romance in a very, very dark way. You know, sci-fi, there's some spirituality. I mean, there are a lot of things, a, a, a lot of concepts packed into this tiny, tiny book, and it's delivered just, it, it's delivered terrifically. Yeah, I feel for the person who has to eventually um, categorize this. If, if, when I say when, it's going to get into bookstores because I can't imagine this not going bigger than it is now. I, I think that the category is going to fall to noir. If it had to default to one thing, the dark setting, the the action, the criminal element that that takes, which is one of the things we didn't talk about or didn't mention in the list of genres that it could fit in, mm-hmm. there's some crime element involved. Um, I think that noir will will be the final one, and I'm starting to be afraid that noir is just a catch-all for anything we can't give a different title to. But yeah. um, I think now that we're talking about it, I think I actually saw some description somewhere. I don't remember where. So call it a dark thriller. That would, so. that would be accurate, too. There's so many ways to describe this book. Yeah. So. Some influences, and some of this correlates to what I read on his author page afterwards, but I <laughs> definitely felt, and I know this is a, a lesser-known author, um, Will Christopher Bear, I definitely felt there was an influence from Kiss Me Judas there, something I maybe see even where it's not sometimes. It's easily <laughs> in my top three list of books of all time. When you're wearing um, your Will Christopher Bear-colored glasses. <laughs> that's correct. So, And quietly, I guess I'll mention a little later where how i came across this book and we'll get into a little different bear conversation then but i also saw a little bit of the raw shark texts from stephen hall in there and somebody looking for what they've lost i felt like there was maybe a little bit of influence there even though that's actually not mentioned as a as an influence on his on his website Mm -hmm. other books that i was reminded of while reading this was um I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> As She Climbed Across the Table is a book that was written by Jonathan Latham in the late 90s. Not to go into that too much, but it carries a similar kind of crossover sci-fi element, which I don't want to talk about because I'll spoil, but um, the way that that sci-fi was pulled off 
really made me think of that in a good way. It was a very good book. It's it's unfortunate because we can't really talk about this book the way we want to because we want to keep it spoiler free. Um, it's one of those times Rob and I have kicked around doing an actual book discussion on certain books afterwards, which would be the spoiler rich discussion of it. We haven't quite come to that, but this would definitely be one of those books I'd like to put on the table for a for a discussion afterwards on thoughts and themes and everything else. Yeah, yeah. I I, I want to say overall, uh, I, I just had all these great impressions of the book even the stuff that it made me here's the thing the book in and of itself i loved i thought it was really greatly written i liked the story i was bought into it and everything and even the books that it reminded me of like the list that livius just gave and the book that i said are all books that i've loved a lot and so um i, I don't know the story overall even the <laughs> even just the the shadows of other things that it like makes me think of really yeah all put me in a very happy very very positive place I don't, don't, I can't, and I'm sure that maybe not be the way you wanted to word it. I don't know that I was happy reading this book. It's very, <laughs> very dark. I don't think at any time I cracked a smile and thought what a great, you know, thing this was. The book is very, very dark and deals with, you know, incredible issues of loss and betrayal and other things. Like I said, if it's, if it's in a good book, it, it somehow it made it into this book. I mean, at least from themes and in types of book and stuff. So yeah, I definitely, this is a, this is a guy to watch. One thing I, you know, Livius and I, I, I feel like a dork for not knowing this. Is this Dwyer's first full novel that he's published? This is this is his debut novel. No, I'm sorry, yeah. this is his debut novel. Yeah, um, I'd say an incredible offering for a first novel. Um, Again, very reminiscent of Will Christopher Bear. Agreed. I should probably go into that now before we get into the rest of our stuff. This book came across um, to me on Twitter from The Velvet, which is a it's a website. It's the home of Will Christopher Bayer, who has been mysteriously absent for quite some time. Um, Craig Clevenger, another author that I absolutely adore, and Stephen Graham Jones. It's turned into a community for aspiring authors, noir fans. This came across their Twitter as a... Um, tied over to the next Will Christopher Bayer book and that's where it came to our attention and from those statements we uh, made a decision to go ahead and read it so thank you The Velvet for bringing this to us yeah The Velvet is definitely a movement that um, I'm keeping close eyes on because all the authors that I've ever had the benefit of reading from you know this collective of, of writers is even even short stories or you know, they do little um, microfiction things on the on the forums and stuff, and reading the submissions that people just do for the heck of it, just for fun. Everything I've I've touched on through this group has been really satisfying. So um, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on the velvet and all the authors that it comes comes out comes out of it. Okay, and kind of a a twist on our usual thing. The word snap moment for for this particular episode is actually going to be moments of praise. There was uh, like we said, a very well written and well, very descriptive and awesomely written um, passages, and I want to give a couple examples of ones that I that particularly stood out for me. So the first one, Clint, the main character, is kind of reflecting on something of meaning to him, and you'll understand it when I read it. Jenna's cross is still locked into the small crevasse of my palm, its chain link necklace dangling from my fingers like the dead tentacles of a baby octopus. To me, that's such a, a stretch of, of an analogy that to put it in there and to make it 
really it really makes you draw a vivid picture of what he's talking about. It was really good a good device. Yeah, I don't think I've ever tried to picture a dead um, or, or, or uh, a dead baby octopus before, but yes, definitely it, it does draw a visual to mind. I think he did a great job. <laughs> Another one that I thought was really really great. This is later on in the book. This one really is an example of some very very creative writing, and it goes. <coughs> The sun is beginning its descent, and I want to chase it beyond the horizon, steal a cup of sunlight, and swallow it in the hopes it will kickstart my heart and create a small star within the flesh. I don't know. That would I, I don't even have to say anything about that. I uh, I agree, and we could go on. There's lists, you know, when you go on to a, a forum site and you look at people's favorite books and the list out, and there's usually a good seven or eight references to lines that people love and. I think I could probably, if I sat down and reread this book, probably write down about 30 or 40 such just fantastic lines. That's just past the ones that are good, ones that really are standout fantastic lines. So I'm going to go with one, and this for me kind of sums up his style of writing, and this is fairly short. I don't have to give you any setup here. Now is the time for answers, and answers don't have relatives, friends, or hearts of gold. So. Christopher yeah. Dwyer sold me on his writing ability. Um, you know, long before that line, that actually comes up, you know, much later in the book. But very, very powerful stuff, and the book is chock full of lines just like that. Yeah, definitely some very eye-opening, very original, very original lines that really are powerful and stay with you. Okay, and I'm sure this is just me being a jackass because of something that Rob had put in my head. I think beforehand, he didn't indicate it this way. He used the word purple 14 times in this book. And yes, I actually did a word search and counted the number of times that purple <laughs> came up, um, which was about once every 15 pages. <laughs> and then, quite honestly, if there was an award for the, um, the, the story to use the word or the color description obsidian the most, I think this would also win that one as it, was, it showed up a lot late in the book. Great word and great again, just the descriptive colors, sounds, feelings. Uh, great job. But yeah, and then every time I saw the word purple, I had to like kind of make another like notch, you know, somewhere that it, that it was used again. But again, overall, just a fantastic story. So Dwyer wins the Livius Nedden Award for the gratuitous use of the word purple in a, in a novel. That is correct. <laughs> the prestigious oh. award. I think there was Crayola sponsored him on this. That's what I'm thinking. When you're using a lot of sensory um, description, it, not, to, not to come to his defense, but just kind of to play devil's advocate, um, if he obviously he was focusing a lot on, on visual things and color comes into that a lot, um, would you prefer him to use seven, or 14 different variations of the word purple or just stick with purple i didn't count the number of times violet came up <laughs> i like the word purple uh, it's, right. it's a fine word but <laughs> anyway let's move on that was i think that was just me being a jackass and i'm that's telling fair. you you made a comment to me and that's what stuck that word in my head i remember i am that guilty was, that was that. all you that made me count the words I did. I guilty as charged. Uh, do you want to? Hey, what do you think about doing some shout outs? Are we ready for that? How about we do some stars for this book first? What do you think? Oh, yeah. I guess we could do a wrap up and do some ratings, huh? It's kind of our format at this point. All right. Let's do it. Do you want to start or should I? Um, I will go ahead and start. All right. Um, I can't say enough about Christopher J. Dwyer's writing. I really can't. 
even in saying that at times it detracted from the story, I think it was more my way of saying maybe I'm just not swift enough to keep up with that kind of writing. But in, in individual passages, just some of the best stuff I've read in a long time. Best book we've read on this podcast, I know we're only four in, but easily, easily the one I would recommend to people ahead of the other three. Uh, again, fantastic story. Don't want to give anything away. It's a story that will keep you on the edge of your seat. It's a story that will make you bitterly sad. Uh, and it's just beautifully, beautifully written. I'm going to go ahead and give them four and a half stars on this one. Great. My review is going to be very quick and simple. I'm going to keep it simple because I've really got nothing but good things to say. Uh, it was very well written. The descriptions were incredible. The characters, I think, were all well-crafted. The story was complete. I can't really think of much negative to say about it. He really got me to buy into the characters. My, I definitely was emotionally invested. And... I couldn't find a minute where where I was really disappointed in everything in anything at all. Uh, so I'm really just going to leave it at that. I think it was a great book, and all things considered, I would recommend it to just anybody. I mean, I would. I mean, this is the type of book where I would buy multiple copies just to give them to people because they need to read it. That's how that's how I feel about it. And originally on Goodreads, I will admit, I gave them a four. I think part of that is based on the fact that. You can't go half stars on Goodreads, so it was either a four or a five, and five for me is very, very, I don't know, it's very tough for me to, to just give out, so um, I'm going to go ahead and give him, in the podcast here, a 4.5 as well, four and a half, because I th- it was just astoundingly good. It was an incredible book, and I recommend it, like, it, like Livia said, above any of the books that we've touched on so far. I'm just going to go ahead and share with everybody. He said he'd buy multiple copies because they're only $4.95. <laughs> That's why. Because if they were like twelve fifty, he'd buy one copy and maybe loan it out to someone occasionally. So. I'm trying to save on the shipping. That $25 in shipping is, is a killer. That's not actually $25 in shipping. He was kidding about that. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> All right. One more time. Brown Paper Publishing. They have several titles available. We may go back and dip into the well for another indie book as good as this one was. Uh, And when I say indie book, again, I don't know what classifies as an indie book. We're looking at someone that's small press, someone that's really pushing to get their name out there. You know, at some point, yeah, we're going to probably review some Stephen King, but we also want to talk about some other authors that are a little less known and maybe you know, help them get a little bit of recognition for the work that they do. I can tell you I've read a lot of blockbuster best-selling authors that couldn't hold a candle to, to Christopher Dwyer's debut novel. So, Brown Paper Publishing, four ninety-five. No clue how much the shipping is, but you can pick it up from them. <laughs> to know, if you want to know how to get there, go to brownpaperpub.wordpress.com and uh, right above the header image, there's links for catalogs, catalog 2010-2011 has the Dwyer book along with a bunch of others, and there's a link where you can buy it from there. That's Rob with GPS for buying books. <laughs> I like to give all the I, details. I'm, I'm thinking you'll probably be able to find a link on our uh, blog as well. That's a good point. Yeah, just saying. All right, so that wraps up our review on When October Falls, and uh, we're going to move on to some shout-outs. I'm going to get this kicked off. I'm going to do a shout-out for Richard Thomas, described as a neo-noir transgressive author uh, residing in Illinois, kind of in the Chicago area. The book that I have personally read, that I'm aware of, is his book Transubstantiate, 
available for $5.95 on Amazon. You can find links to that on our website. We'll have it, have it later on. Um, Transubstantiate, the book, uh, essentially is a post-apocalyptic story of a group of people and the society that they're living in and the struggles they're going through. And Livius might be able to give it more of a detail. I don't know how to not spoil it. So what, what do you think would be a good way of explaining it? There's not a lot you could say about transubstantiate without giving anything away. Again, I think you touched on all the basis. It echoes a little bit of the TV show Lost. And and I shouldn't, I don't want to say it that way because I don't want to make it sound like it's a rewriting of that. It's certainly not. But somebody who's really into a complex, interwoven, post-apocalyptic story um, with, again, much like the book we just reviewed that has a lot of different elements all coming together in one book, Richard Thomas is your guy. Certainly a large cast of characters and characters that are all, I think, fairly well developed. None of them seem to be too lacking and the way that they kind of all affect each other or I guess the layers of it all as you kind of jump through different points, there's flashbacks and you can see interactions of characters that you didn't see kind of in the present time and stuff like that. So uh, definitely a well-developed story. It's got elements of this kind of dystopian kind of feel to it. I don't know if I want to attribute not necessarily sci-fi or kind of supernatural, but there's definitely some, I don't know, I guess a sci-fi or supernatural element to it as well that uh, it, I mean, it's all really woven together very well. Got anything else about Transubstantiate? Nope. In addition to Transubstantiate, one thing that has recently uh, been released in ebook format uh, is a short story that he wrote called Victimized. For 99 cents, he's got it on Amazon. Again, we'll link to that. He's also been published in Shivers 6, alongside such authors as Stephen King and Peter Straub, and most recently was featured in uh, Shy Zine with his story, Ten Steps. I want to mention that he is definitely an author that's very active on The Velvet, which we mentioned earlier, and very active on his Goodreads account as well. He's got a, a good presence pretty much everywhere. He's very engaged with other authors and writers and very approachable if you're kind of an aspiring writer. I, I think that he's he's very interested in kind of that support that kind of in the spirit of the velvet. He, he seems like he's very much about a community and helping writers get active as well. I'm sure he'll thank you for the dozens of requests to look at, uh, at people's <laughs> writing for that. So. Um. <laughs> One thing, and you may have mentioned, maybe it just slipped by me. Transubstantiate is available for five ninety five in ebook form on Amazon, which is a good segue into my portion of the shout out. Uh, I had a fairly long, detailed shout out for uh, Anthony Neil Smith, another noir author. A little different from Richard Thomas and from Christopher Dwyer in the fact that it's not this incredibly dark otherworldly feel to it he writes just gritty noir stuff and i become a huge fan of his of his books but the segue into that is you can pick up four of his novels for four dollars and fifty cents in ebook format you can buy them individually but he prices his stuff very very low um, a huge proponent of low pricing for um, ebooks versus some other books we look at where the ebook is as much as the um, hardback in some cases on amazon so we're looking at uh, 450 to pick up Psychosomatic, Choke on Your Lies, To the Devil My Regards, and The Drummer. Um, of those, the only one I haven't read yet, and it's on my long list of books to read, is uh, To the Devil My Regards. I first came across Anthony Neal Smith with Yellow Medicine a couple of years ago. 
And that's where it gets really exciting and where I'm not going to talk all that much about him as we decided just hours before we recorded this podcast on his Twitter account, I saw that he was going to be releasing Yellow Medicine in ebook format for the first time, um, which then kind of turned into a conversation with Rob, and it's going to be our next book we're reviewing. So I'm going to lay back a little bit on, on everything that he's done and what I like about him so much. I'm going to tell you he's a very gritty noir author, and we'll talk a lot more about him on our next episode. Just very, very briefly, this is all I'm giving you on Yellow Medicine, and this is the this is the tagline that's on uh, <laughs> that's on his new book in regards to Billy Lafitte, the main character. When they gave this bad cop a second chance, he became even worse. <laughs> I like that. And that's all I'm going to say about <laughs> Anthony Neal Smith. And I'm really looking for me. This is going to be a reread, and I very rarely do that. There's read hundreds of books, and I think there's probably five that I've reread. And um, this one went right to the top of my list. I'm very excited to share it with Rob. I'm very excited to share it with you guys after we uh, we do another read-through on it. I, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler for the next one. I'm pretty sure this went on to my Goodreads at four stars um, a couple years ago when I read it. Sounds promising. Yep. Uh, just a little aside, because we've been mentioning it kind of throughout the podcast, but I want to emphasize... Uh, this is an indie, like we, like Olivia said, it's an indie author edition. We're focusing on, you know, authors who are either working with independent press or authors who are publishing themselves. And one of the byproducts of that is that they typically offer very, very good, very well put together writing at a very affordable price. And if you add up everything that we've mentioned tonight, uh, and then subtract the outrageous twenty-five dollar shipping that Livius mentioned. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've mentioned in this podcast, you could buy for under twenty dollars. Which that's less. That's less than the cost of whatever the newest Daniel Steele hardcover is, guaranteed. Probably, yeah, significantly less. You could you could buy all that stuff. Go to Starbucks. You could get a drink, probably a cookie as well, like I would, <laughs> and have just a ton of incredible stuff to read. And I don't want to sound too much like I'm selling stuff on like the Home Shopping Network or anything, but I just want to drive home the fact that. The value of independent authors is that they're offering really high quality stuff, or at least quality stuff. Um, (laughs) (laughs) At such a lower price than you buy a lot of this mass market stuff that's just kind of slapped together with an audience in mind. Um, I mean, these people are publishing stuff that, you know, is near and dear to them. This is like their blood and their sweat, and it's cheap. And I encourage people to just buy indiscriminately buy these indie authors' titles because they're cheap enough that you can afford to ev- buy a book even if you don't end up really caring for it too much. And yeah, on, the, on that note, you know, we go into there's plenty of times I bought a mass market um, hardback or even a paperback with high expectations because it's number four on the bestseller list and just been hugely disappointed because it seemed like it was the same story rehashed. It's always the retired detective who put away a serial killer. Now maybe that serial killer is back or there's this like this cookie cutter mold that goes around that, you know, that's just the same book over and over again. And what you find with authors we're talking about i don't know if we call them indie authors or small press so if we're offending anybody i'm really sorry it's not my intention but what you find is just a lot of originality and a lot of stuff you haven't seen before and the three authors that we've talked about tonight and per my personal guarantee that this is stuff that's uh vastly different from other things that you read i fully agree with you we're giving you a lot of value tonight <laughs> 
and Steve the Bates. highest rating that we've given so far across the that's board right. of four and a half. That's right. This is our dollar store edition of Booked the Podcast. Rob, tell them how they can get a hold of us. Again, I know you're going to be dying to get in touch with us after you listen to this high-quality podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Booked Podcast. You can go to our website. We've, we've bought a domain. We have www.bookedpodcast.com. All of our posts are up there right now. You can, get our, uh, you can, you can listen to all of the, the previous episodes there. You can email us at bookedpodcast at gmail.com. And you can uh, friend us on Goodreads at Booked Podcast. I just want to make a little announcement. As of tonight, I I'm believe... I'm so excited. Sorry. <laughs> As of tonight, I should be submitting our feed to iTunes as well as Stitcher. And what that means is, as soon as probably next week, hopefully you'll be able to get Booked Podcast on iTunes, subscribe to it, and uh, just get it. Just listen to us pretty much constantly. Play it ten times. Tell friends about it. Forward the feed to them. All that awesome stuff. We're going to be on iTunes and Stitcher very soon. So um, there will be announcements about that on the website when that is up and running. May I also suggest that once we're on iTunes that you subscribe to our feed, you put it on your mother's iPod, and then just set it on repeat and not tell her how to take it off. <laughs> I've actually heard... Um, from mothers who will remain nameless that we are very professional and have great voices very nice voices so that's how to contact us he's talking about but (laughs) that's our contacts uh in future episodes i'm sure we will announce too when itunes is up and ready to go and yeah any kind of comments you want to do go to the website leave us comments tell us what you liked what you didn't like tell us how we can be better and get in touch with us and listen to us a lot Thanks for joining us once again at Booked Podcast. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Woke up this morning. What do I see? 3,000 cameras pointed at me. Says you leave, I, I'm like, yes, that's me, sir. Well, you just knocked up the VP nominee's daughter. So I tell him, no, you got it.